Hi, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast on acting, art, and life. In this series, I'm talking to AMAW alumni, students, and clients about the challenges of acting and the joys of creating in the 21st century. For more information, go to anthonymindel.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. I hope you enjoy. In today's episode, Tony sits down with busy casting director, David Rappaport. David gives helpful and practical insider advice on the casting process. This episode will help you feel empowered the next time you set foot in a casting office. Hello, everyone. Welcome to In The Moment Podcast. I have my podcast voice on. It's Anthony with my dear friend and guest. You're in for a real surprise and a treat today. Casting director of the stars, David Rappaport. This is where we push our applause button. Yeah, or I just do it randomly. That's how low maintenance we are. Um, I always say David is like the hardest working man in Hollywood. Thank you. I tell you that. I think you're the hardest working man. I know man we Hollywood. think that about each other. Yeah. We always have a competition. How many how many shows do you have now? I don't even know. <laughs> nine shows? Uh, yeah, about nine shows. Yeah. And I have and how nine, many, uh, nine acting studios. Nine acting yeah. studios. Sounds really glamorous. I'm telling you kids, it's a lot of hard work, as David would tell you. Yep. During the height of the season, I mean, I don't even know how you handle nine shows. I have an amazing staff. Um, you know, we have, right now, we have eight people on my staff, and they're all just incredible, talented individuals with their own points of view and taste, and we all watch different TV shows, and we all bring ideas to the table, and I really I really rely on them, and I lean on them. Uh, specifically, Lindsay Baldessari, who's my co-host. Oh, yes, we know her. love Lindsay. Yeah, she's, she's incredible. Amazing. I've known her for... Almost a long years. time, right? Yeah, we started at Mally Finn together. So, for those of you who don't know David Rappaport, you should. I'm always telling actors, like, when I'm coaching them, and I'm like, who are you going in to read for? And they're like, uh, I don't know. Please tell, tell actors they <laughs> need to know who they're reading for. Oh, you know for what I mean? sure. Yes. I mean, I think you need to know not just the casting director's history, but what shows they're currently working on, the tone of those shows. You have to kind of walk in there with a sense of, you want them to know who you are, what your resume is. You should know their resume as well. I mean, this is a mutual kind of uh, sharing experience. That's true. So, okay. Especially on the general, too. Right. That's a pet peeve of mine when I meet with an actor. And they don't even know? They don't know. Oh, that's bad. And again, it's not an ego thing. No, but that's kind of embarrassing. That'd be like you going to, like... It's like for a job interview right. and not knowing that you're going to McDonald's and, and you're interviewing at Wendy's or whatever. You well, know what I, I mean? I also encourage in a general interview, do you have any questions? Is there anything you want to know about either our office or the way that we work compared to other offices, what have you? And most people unfortunately don't have questions and this is a great opportunity yeah. to learn about um, you know, our process. Right. So to, to help them, to help them, not just because I want to talk about it. Well, that would be embarrassing because you do like a lot of the CW shows and it'd be, it'd be embarrassing to be like yeah how do I get on Will and Grace <laughs> you're like that's not my show that's my show that's maybe down the hall let me know yeah <laughs> so okay so yeah so for those of you who do not know who David Rappaport is you should and he just very humbly mentioned he does nine shows for the CW and can we name them? We can name them. We can name them, but they're you not all them. CW. Um, well, no, they're not all CW. Yeah. That's true. So right now on Netflix, we have You. That's right, because it moved two. to You. I mean, it moved to Netflix. Yeah, so season one was on Lifetime, then it moved to Netflix and did great. Season two uh, will be on Netflix as well. Also Netflix is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That's right, I forget about that. That's um, right. Wow. On the DC Universe, which is a DC streaming service, 
we did the first season of Titans, Titans, and now we just did the first season of Doom Patrol. Okay. And we're waiting on a pickup for that. And then on CW, we have Arrow, The Flash, Flash. Supergirl, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Jesus. Riverdale, Batwoman, Katie hey, Keene. Um, I think that's it. We have to put in another applause here. <laughs> How do you sleep? When do you sleep? I've never slept well. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm You're a, a light I'm sleeper? Always, I have, yeah. I'm a very light sleeper and I dream about work. And, oh, God. Okay. But in, in the best way. I love it. I mean, I'm just, um, you know, my, I, I, do, I do struggle with, you know, enjoying film and television, which used to be my kind of uh, my outlet for relaxation. And now I'm watching and thinking... Oh my God, who's that actor? I have to know who they are. And I'm watching with IMDb on my phone and oh. um, stressing out a little bit. And then uh-huh. knowing a little bit too much about how the sausage is made kind of takes me out of it sometimes. Uh-huh. But yeah. I love it. You I still know. love it. I still love it. I've known you now for 15 years. At least. And we, we was it through Mal- was it at Mally Finn's office or you saw me in something, I think? This is, yes, listeners, this is during my, my glory acting days. I, I don't remember, but you always, like, you were a fan, and you would call me in for stuff. Yeah, and you were always like, so supportive of me, well, and yeah. it's hard, well, it's hard, because I, uh, you know, as a casting intern, assistant, associate, what have you, until you're the casting director, a lot of people don't pay attention to you or give you any credit for coming up with ideas or being enthusiastic about the projects, and so I think you were always someone that saw the ability in me, even sometimes before I saw it, and when I saw you work with your students is when I became even a bigger fan because I saw how much passion you had and when I saw you cry for the first time in front of your students I really connected with it because what I also learned from Mally and what I found in myself is like I love actors I love supporting them I love helping them discover themselves and and find their first big break and and making these breakthroughs for themselves personally and professionally and uh I just, I think what you do is incredible. The way that you do it is incredible. Well, thanks, David. Yeah. Yeah, it is changing people's lives, I think. It's like, I also think the world we're living in now, I I was saying to last night's class, to the auditors, like, I think the days of going to an acting class that is just about acting are Mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's ever really been about that. I don't know, I wasn't alive in the 1950s, right? But, like, I think those, you know, like the group theater or, you know, those collectives at that time... Mm -hmm were really the actors ensemble or any of that stuff, the actor studio was really a movement of that came out of a social need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People doing theater about things that mattered. And I think yeah. um, that certainly is where my roots like come from and what I'm interested in is using it as, you know, if you if, if somebody comes into I'm always telling people like you want people to be amazing. You really do. You're on their side. If you call someone in or if I call you and I'm like, you really have to see this person and then they're right for a role, you're really wanting them to like just kill it so that you have one less thing to have to worry about, right? I I say it's very selfish, but I really, I do want to like solve the problem quickly. So selfishly, I want you to do great, but I also just, I want you to do great. I'm not bringing you in to embarrass you or or challenge you. I'm I'm bringing you in to give (laughs) you an opportunity and hopefully you'll be the solution to this problem, problem that I have, have and I'll move on quickly. That's what I'm always yeah. saying. You have a problem, otherwise they wouldn't have brought you in. But I also am trying to get actors to understand nowadays if, if they start to go in to a room and they have three minutes to show you how they would choose to do it, it becomes more of like, um, I don't know, you start to, I feel like we start to tap into like sort of 
advocacy or activism or using it as a platform for a, a greater purpose mm-hmm. and that you start to get freed up because with no offense they don't we stop caring about what you think you know what I mean you shouldn't care and, what I think well, I know but it's hard for actors they want people to like them I so tell address that a little bit like I how understand you, that I want people to like me as well but this is not you're not coming to audition to be my best friend Yes. You know, I want you to be professional. I want you to be courteous and kind because I've said this before, like think of us as HR people. We're also kind of sensing you out to see if you're professional, if you're on time, if you've yes. done the homework, what have you, so that I know I'm putting you on set and I don't have to worry about you. But at the same time, um, if I, part of the process of casting is finding out what we want. I don't know what I want. I don't necessarily know what the producers want. I'm kind of like a matchmaker for the producers and they give me these very kind of basic guidelines and if I knew exactly what I wanted, I would go make an offer. But I'm casting, be- and, and that means that you have every opportunity as anybody else is walking the room to book that role. And so I want you to show me how you interpret the scene differently. Mm-hmm. How, be based on your personal life or experience or beliefs or, or what have you. Um, I really want people to bring their unique selves to it. I'm, the people that come in just trying to please me and be kind to me, what have you, that's great, but that's boring that's you know I think of it a lot as like a first date like yes you want to put on your best behavior (laughs) yeah but you're not really going to get a sense of someone until they take that guard down and show you who they are and I'm looking and I know this is a challenge I know I can't even imagine how hard it is to walk into a room you've never been in before with people you don't know and take that first like veil down and just be who you are but that's the challenge that's what you have to get that's what you have to learn to do and the more rooms you go into the more you'll become confident in just being yourself and look this is coming from a person who is has major confidence issues and, and really has a, a real sense of anxiety kind of being myself. But that's part of the job is letting that guard down. And yes, you have like three to five minutes to do it. And that's a skill in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guarantee you, once you are able to learn that skill, it will just feel like play and it'll be fun for me to watch. And although I may not cast you for that role at hand, I can't tell you how many other people I've throughout the years, I've just, fall in love with in the room as actors and not cast them for specific roles, but keep bringing bring them, them in and keep bringing them in. Yeah. And a lot of them have booked. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a matter of time. I mean, it's up to the gods sometimes too. There's so many people making a final casting decision. It's not just my decision. Yeah. Um, but it's, look, it's hard. I don't, I don't mean to be so, um, so uh, flippant about it, but you, you have to, you have to let all that stuff go yeah. and just come in and, and, and share. Well, I always like to joke like, if they've gone to college for four years, this is their three minutes to really, the $100,000 they spent on their college education, this is their three minutes to really put it to good use. That's a lot of pressure. Well, (laughs) maybe, yes, but I just kind of feel like, because actors, the opportunities for actors, if they're not on a job Mm -hmm. or they're not in class, let's say, that is their one opportunity to act during the week. So they might as well enjoy it. And as you said, play, find a way to like, Yes. My big thing is, is like, if they're having fun, if you're, ha- if the actor is having fun, you're going to have totally, fun. You totally. Know what I mean? But I do think that puts a lot of pressure on an actor to feel like that's their one opportunity. Whereas I feel like if they're in class, if they're doing, well, that's study, if they're doing things, Obviously. you got to be acting every single day. So when this kind of more professional opportunity arises, yes. there isn't as much pressure on your shoulders to perform. Yes. It's just another opportunity to act. That's true. I mean, obviously, I advocate all that because... Of course, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I also think it's like, to me, it's so competitive nowadays. I mean, we've been in this for around the same time. Doesn't it feel like there's just so many more actors? Or that's my perception of it. 
it doesn't necessarily just, mean there are as many good actors. Yeah. So again, you can say it, that. No, I mean, there, there, it's, yeah. it is a numbers game, but it doesn't mean that there's more talent out there. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot more to sort through for sure. Uh-huh. And it is competitive. But on the other hand, there's also a ton more projects. And so yeah. we are, our shows are competing with a ton of other shows for those talented actors. Yeah. Um, it does seem to even out a little bit. I don't know. It's so interesting. I have so many thoughts about like, the sheer numbers and like, well, let me ask you this. What, like, uh, what do you see in an actor that makes you, I mean, we could do the do's and the don'ts. Yeah. I always feel like every actor should know that, but maybe it's worth kind of, you know, going over again. Yeah. Well, you I just kind of said like, what? I love the do's and the don'ts. You do? Well, it allows me to like vent a little bit. Don't bring in a real gun. Is like you know what I mean. Yeah. Don't like yes. So let like if we can start there. Yes. The less the better. An audition for me is chest to top of the head. Uh huh. So if there's anything you're gonna do either in the room or on a self tape that's distracting, don't don't do it. Do it. Yeah. Imagine that we have enough imagination or the producers or director watching the tape that. that they can kind of put a costume on you. They can put the facial hair. They can put the makeup because when you come in, like a lot of these these comic book shows are are really. They're bizarre and fantastical and what right. have you. And even in the sides, it says this woman walks in and she, you know, her hair is crazy. She looks like Medusa, whatever it is. Um, I, I get you want to kind of come in and feel the character, what have you. But if you come in looking as if you've spent more time preparing your wardrobe and hair, yeah. it, it immediately sets off like a red flag for me that, oh, this person doesn't quite connect with the material or not making it about the material. Because I guarantee you we're going to have hair and makeup for you. We're not going to ask you to do your own. So that might be a fun school project and that's kind of creative for you, but you should be spending time learning the sides. Right. I haven't cast anyone based on the makeup they've worn, the hair they've done, the costume they've worn. <laughs> um, and a lot of our superhero stuff as well in the sides, it says, you know, there's a fight sequence here and people come in trying to prove that really they can ready fight. to do the fight scene. And you're going to yeah. have a stunt double. Uh, yeah. We're going to have a stunt coordinator. I don't need to see that in the acting audition. Um, and same for self-tapes, too. Like, a lot of people tend to direct their own self-tapes and edit it and put in, you know, special effects and... Music. It, music. I saw one with music the other day, and I was like, wait, is that a soundtrack? What is it's happening? It's distracting. It doesn't feel professional. Oh, and it's, gosh. again, I'd rather just see if there's good lighting, good sound. Yeah. I want to see you head on and recreate the... And that, this feels, like, so basic, but recreate the audition process. Otherwise, it feels as if yeah. you're not... You're taking it seriously, but you're, this is not a, a college like thesis on how to make a film. I don't need a cinematographer. I need an actor. Yeah. And I don't need to be like cruel about that. It's just, just simplify. No, I get it. Yeah. I think, David, it's also the distrust. I think, you know, my big philosophy and how we teach everywhere is what's essential about each human being is what's interesting and unique about them. Mm-hmm. And it's very scary to trust that we're enough. And that doesn't mean we're always sure. right for every role, because as as you are in casting, you just see some people's essence more matches a role than others. It's yeah. not that somebody's not good. We were just talking about actors who got this role for your show. It's just okay. So I think the to me the baseline of of how we get better is trusting more and more that we don't have to do anything. That you're either listen, you're either going to be attracted to what who I am, not yeah. in a sexual way, but like attracted by the essence of who yep. I am vis-a-vis this character or not. And if you're not, 
then there are other casting directors who will be. That's the other thing, Absolutely. right? Well, I'll give you a good point, too. Like, I, I usually do more than one project at a time, and I'll bring in the same actor for two shows. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. And, like, for okay. example, I was when I was doing the Gossip Girl pilot, I was also casting this movie called Prom Night for Screen Jabs. Oh, and it was all okay. about high school kids. And so everyone that read for Gossip Girl, I think with the exception of maybe one actor, came in and read for Prom Night, and I, I think vice versa for the most part. And it was fascinating because, I don't want to say who, but some of the people who ended up booking Gossip Girl were the leads of that show who read for Prom Night were stars in the room for Gossip Girl. And we were, they were undoubtedly like, ah, yes, these are stars. Yes. And they came in for the movie and the director was like, I don't get these people at all. They're not talented. <laughs> ah. They're not attractive. They're not whatever. Well, yeah. And, you know, it goes to show you could be a star in one room and not That's make right. sense in, in the other room. And to me, overall, That's these, were all, quote, these were all stars. Yes. They, they all made sense to me. But, but that's a great quote. You could be a star in one room and in another room. You're like, womp, womp. They just don't get it. It's, yeah, again, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like dating. Someone falls in love with you here. Right. Another person doesn't quite see right. the ability in you. But you can't change for everybody. And you have to show up. You have to do your thing. And, and like for someone like me who does do multiple projects now, like I can audition you for The Flash and be like, you know what? You're not quite tonally right for The Flash. Right. But for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or Riverdale, you'd be amazing. Yeah. And so... You, you can't put everything on that audition, that one thing, that uh-huh. one show that, you know, even to me, it may not, you may not be a fit for one thing, but it doesn't mean you're not a fit for anything. Right. Um, so I just, you, you just got to go in and you're try. Listeners, David and I are not the same person. I know it's hard to like differentiate. Are we having... We're saying the same, I mean, oh. I'm saying this all the time and I get it. It's like, I think because the rejection aspect is so... I mean, listen, even as a filmmaker, I get it, like, being rejected by festivals or, or whatever, and then you personalize that and think, oh, my God, my baby is ugly, or, you oh, know what I mean? for sure. And then you realize, oh, they wanted filmmakers who were, uh, they wanted to meet the quota have, having female film directors, or, Absolutely. you know what I mean? And, and so you're not, I think actors have to keep remembering, you can go in and you're not auditioning for the job, you're auditioning for your career. So if they come in and they see you and you like them, you'll bring them back for something else even if they're not right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And look, we casting directors go through the same thing too. Like I've been in rooms where I've been in like a waiting room and and all I do is tell actors, just be confident and go and have fun. Here I am sitting in a waiting room having a nervous breakdown and looking at everybody else and being like, oh my God, I can't believe she's here, I can't believe he's here. Yes. And I've lost jobs because they went with the name cast a director. Uh-huh, yeah. And I've gotten jobs because they didn't have a big budget and they wanted to like discover someone. So again, it's just it's a matter of continuing to show up and do your thing. And I can't be a bigger name than I want to be, and I can't be you know, I, I can't change you are myself. Where you are. I just yeah. I am who I am. Well that that is true. I'm glad you mentioned that too. Like I'm always trying to remind actors that casting directors, unless they're like, you know, on the dole with like um, you know, Sony or wherever, yeah. like you guys are also sort of auditioning for the next job. 100%. Like if a show gets canceled, then you're buying for getting cast on another show. You know Absolutely. what I mean? We're all everybody's we're hustling all for hustling. a job. Yeah, yeah we're all yeah. hustling. It's interesting, um, and that's why when you know I want to do well, so that I'll keep getting hired. Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's not about for me specifically. It's not about an ego or making anyone feel bad or being mean when they come in. I really genuinely want people to do well, and I also want the project to do well, so that I can keep working, you can keep working, and these, this is a long-term career path, I think, for all of us, so like, let's be in it together and try to support each other. Yeah. Is my... Well, I think that kind of speaks back to what you mentioned when I was supportive of you when you were starting out, because I wasn't doing this in any kind of like um, uh, thought-out, sort of systematic way of 
oh, I have to be nice to the interns or the associates because someday they're going to be a big casting But you do, though. But nowadays, <laughs> but, 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 yeah. but, but people should be doing that. Not to, like, again, not in a premeditated way, but it's just sort just of be like... be nice to everybody. What? Be nice to everybody. Well, yes, that's always the it. The assistants yes. of today are the cast members right. tomorrow. That's the, right. The, the readers of today that's are the right. series leads of tomorrow. That's like, right. There is no reason not to treat everybody with kindness but also like when you were starting out like what i think is cool is also is if if you get to know the associates or the assistants or whatever yes. and on you might be doing side jobs so you might be doing like a short film here or there or a small Absolutely. indie and then you meet this actor and they really you guys totally hit it off and they're like you know what you're really right for this movie and then that, that's how relationships are built there you know are actors I mean? that i've known for 20 for years, years because yeah. again they paid attention to me when I was an assistant or an associate and yeah. I've been bringing them in and I've since cast them there was an actress one time when I was an assistant Meryl Streep no <laughs> oh my god <laughs> who said to me oh, what do you do here and I said oh, I'm the casting assistant she said oh I thought you were someone important oh and I think you told me I think that. I told you the story oh. so the like the little boy in me who is that has been so hurt by that for so many years <laughs> that I've never brought that person in but I like you shouldn't I know it's not a you know I, sh I should let go of that I should not hold Maybe. a grudge but it taught me the lesson that I like, thought you were a somebody <laughs> <laughs> we're all somebody that's the lesson that's you know right. like we're all somebody and whether you know it's just just be kind I don't know we're all, everyone's well, struggling everybody is like in this business you know whatever I think we get a little myopic right and like <clears throat> enough about me what do you think about me you know what I mean yeah <laughs> Um, that's the other thing too can I make one more yeah, comment of course. is if you're going to befriend an assistant or an associate which I think is a really really good idea to do so business wise be clear about your um, your intentions and wants because I think I've been burned and a lot of other people have been burned by thinking that they're, uh, an actor's interest in a business relationship uh -huh. is a friendship uh -huh. and yes. I think you know being a young assistant or young associate not having as much experience in the business, you you tend it tends to be a blurry line, and I think a lot of assistants associates end up feeling hurt by actors that they thought were friends mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. when they really were just kind of looking for a connection, which is fine because that's what the business is. But be upfront about it. Be like, right. I'd like to create a professional yes uh, relationship with you, and I want to work with you, and I just want you to I want to be on your radar. As opposed to like, let's go have coffee and pretend that we're best friends until like you don't have something for me. And I think that's why you may see a lot of bitter associates or casting directors who do not want to uh -huh. help you or support you because they've been burned. Yeah. And, it, and it's, a, it's a fine line because you ultimately are working with these people for so many years that you do develop friendships and they are based through business. But be careful about like just maintaining the boundaries. Well, that must be hard for you too. I was thinking when we were talking earlier, you're not single, but like... You know, a lot of casting directors could also run up against that in the dating world. Like, really wanting, you oh, know, having sure. a connection with someone and yet then realizing, like, you, you've been taken for a ride because the person just wants to get a job. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, it's kind of gross. Yeah. And you know what? Like, going back to talking about, um, like, just kind of even coming into the room being professional, it's not professional to flirt. You know, I've, oh. I've had guys, girls, like... Straight hey, when they come in and flirt with me, <laughs> oh, and I'm like, okay, clearly I'm gay. Clearly, like, are you this serious? Is, yeah, and it's like, oh, that's that's not the way to get a like, job. How do they be do kind, that? be nice? Um, hey, I'll tell you a Mally Finn story, which I may have told you. Okay, I don't know if I said it publicly before, but 
she, this guy, so Mally Finn was in her late 60s at She the was time. the casting director of casting directors. Titanic. Yes. The Matrix, like Confidential, 8 Mile. And that's where you started. That's where I that's started. That's where I first met you. Yeah. So there was this guy who was maybe in his 20s, really sexy guy, who came in and yeah. he was flirting with her so hard. With Mally? With Mally. And she was, was like in her 60s. She was like in her late 60s. Okay. She was an attractive woman, but she's... Yes. She's like a mom, though. Like she, yeah, right. Like yeah, she's not. She's not. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. This guy was not interested in her. And what was what I love was Mally turned around and said, "I'm sorry. I'm 67 years old. There is no way that you are sexually attracted to me. I need you to go back out of the room, come back in, introduce yourself, and be a professional person. You Whoa. can be kind to me, but don't use sexuality to try to win me over." And I was just like, "Damn!" Like I was, I was so impressed with her for saying that. And and you know. She wasn't trying to embarrass him. She was trying to teach him a lesson. And I can't imagine he ever did that again. You know, this is... That is not a way to no. to win someone's favor or, or get a job. That's amazing um, that Mally, like, gave him a second try, though. Go on out and come back in and be real. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, she just... She called him out and, and she was right. She was absolutely right. Did I ever tell you my Mally Finn story? I think I told it in clap. Did I tell you? Well, tell me Let again. me just tell the listeners because maybe uh, it's good to piggyback on... on Maybe some people don't know what a general means because when I had first moved here, I didn't really, I did know, but like, so I was a part of this uh, theater group that they would bring in guest film and TV directors, right? And like Griffin Dunn, Joel Schumacher, like a lot of really great people. And Joel saw my work and would really responded. Now, of course, at, the, at first I was like, I was like, oh my God, yeah, he was really responding to my talent. And then, of course, you talk to other people about it, and they're like, oh, somebody just wants to sleep with you. So already I was in my head about it, right? And he was like, I want you to meet my casting director, Mally Finn, because she was doing all of his movies at the sure. time, right? And sure enough, it was totally legit. He like responded to my work, mm -hmm. and he set up a general. And so I'm thinking, okay, um, I'm going to just go in and talk to a casting director because I just moved here from New York and thought like it was all about getting seen by the work you do. Right. right. So, so yes. So we set up the general and I go in and I meet with her and it was really nice. And I kind of feel like I remember seeing you there. Okay. Like I was like, hi David or whatever. And then I went in her office. Maybe not, but I kind of feel like, <laughs> okay. So we talked, it was the general and then she's like, okay, well, Joel says really great things about your work. And if you're right for something, you know, when you're right for something, I'll bring you in. I should have left it at that, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and also the way that I teach now, so it was a great learning curve, is like I did not trust that she, knowing her job, can see the essence of who I am mm -hmm. and what I'm right for. Because mm -hmm. acting is so subtle. It's really about casting who you are yes absolutely not me trying to play a character not me trying to be someone i'm not just her getting a read on who i am right but i was this little cocky little shit and <laughs> but i was also really confident about the work i was doing so i was like so she's like any more questions i was like no and she's like okay i'll call you back in and i was like oh but Mally, i brought my scene partner yes <laughs> i brought my scene partner with me and she's like um okay and i was like i'm gonna go get her so i ran out my friend from this directing workshop came in. There was no... It was supposed to be like a 
like a coffee shop table. So we set it up on the couch. Like we set it up like and scene. You know what I mean? And we did this scene. My scene partner, I think she was nervous. She kept dropping all of her lines. I was in my head. I was like, she's fucking up all these news. It was a total disaster. And now she's like a BevMo sales rep in, in Texas or something. So she's completely out of the business. You know what I mean? And because of that one experience. Probably. She was scarred. I was really mad at her. Like, too. I was like, oh, it was sure. like an episode of Barry. I was like, <laughs> You fucked up the line. <laughs> so she walked out and Mally was just like, thank you so much or something like that. And I kind of like fucked up that uh, interview maybe sure. in the sense that I did not, I don't think I was presenting my best work in that office, obviously. And also it was now that I'm thinking about it, it was also a way for me to control something yeah. and try to like present the way I wanted to be seen as opposed to trusting that she's going to imprint on me the way she sees me oh, you know what I mean so anyway listeners that was a really funny and and also I think insightful story about how do we just trust more can I ask you a question yeah. so I I struggle with co-star reads because those are like one oh, to yeah. five line roles yeah, yeah, yeah. and we bring in a lot of people you have to move through them very quickly what I'm looking for is consistency being able to take direction what have you I can only imagine how difficult it is being a trained actor walking in to do one line. That's so hard. Would and, you like more coffee? Yeah. And being like, but I, I, I can do this in different accents. I can try it this way. I can try it that way. <laughs> um, and I, part of me doesn't want to see all the ways you can try yeah, it. Yeah. I just want to see it. Yeah. How would you advise an actor to just kind of come in and let that go? Because I, I always think about that when we're auditioning co-star roles. And I also have a hard time when an actor won't leave the room because of co-star roles. Like I, you know, I've studied Shakespeare. I can do this. In a shake, yeah. would you like some coffee? Yeah, but, but it's like that—that's hard. Like I know you drove forty-five minutes here to just do one line, but that's all I need from you. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I have two thoughts about that. One is like, look, I think actors have to keep remembering. It's like there are no small roles, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's Blake Lively's show, I'm not gonna. I, I'm just saying, would you like some more coffee, ma'am? Like it's right. not about me. You're there to help be in service to the story. Yeah. And so I think if you remember that if you don't make it about you and just do it the way you would do it in life, then all of a sudden you don't need to see it in 10 different ways. Yeah. Again, I think that's a distrust that you, with your job, are not going to be able to see just who I am in one line. You will. You see it. We, we have mock auditions when I teach intensives all over the world where we can see even in one line who that person is, right? And that it's enough, right? Yeah. And then it's just a matter of, oh, I like her or I like him or he was maybe funny or whatever. Yeah. I think that's the first thing. And I also think like if you just – if people just were working more on being more honest, mm -hmm. not trying to do like the dog and pony show. Like you've seen it too, I'm sure, in the shows you cast – I had a student who she started with one line on Shameless mm -hmm. and then became a series regular. Yeah. You know, and was on it for five seasons, mm -hmm. you know? One line. Yeah. Like oh, maybe yeah. and she had like, you know, a couple words. But but she was radically honest. That's so all that's true. really yeah. it. Just do it the way you would do it without also like pulling focus because it's Meryl Streep show. Right. You know what I mean? That's my coffee maker, people. <laughs> Let me turn that off. You having more coffee? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I made some because I thought you were a coffee. Um, so actually think, I feel like David, like after I came out of that audition with Mally Finn, sorry, this is the postscript. I feel like I remember seeing you being like, how did it go? And I was like, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing after my partner, who shall remain nameless. Anyway. Uh -oh. So, I mean, listen, every actor, I have a lot of horror stories about that. I've been talking about them more often because I'm finishing up this new book about kind of Ooh. like 
like little short stories of my life and partly during my acting phase. And they're really funny because I made a lot of mistakes in not trusting that people, you know, could see my talent without me having to show them. Mm -hmm. There was such a, and maybe as a gay man too, I felt like in, in New York when I was working theatrically, I was doing a lot of gay plays, right? Sure. And I just was who I was and I, I didn't have an issue about it. Like I was leading man-esque in these plays, yeah. but they were always gay characters. But when I came out here at that time, yeah, see, this is coming to me now. Oh, I felt such a, like a pressure of having to hide a bit of my gayness. Oh, so like, oh, that's okay. So like, I think with this Mally Finn thing, yeah. me talking to her, like I'm talking to you right now, whatever. But then when I did that scene, I was playing, I, I remember the play, it's called The Monogamist. I was playing this young, straight dude getting a divorce with his wife. Uh, so I would, uh, and I can quote unquote play straight. Right, right. But I just was always, kind of always clocking that gay part of me. Sure. You know what I mean? And that's just going to get in the way of Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it's changed now. I mean, we can talk about that, thank yeah. God, about like, you know, people are more free to be who they are. Absolutely. But for my generation, I'm a little bit older than you, that was a real pressure for me of not being okay to be found out, you know? Same for me, though. And same for me. And not just, not obviously as an actor, but in life. And I don't think as a human being, I was really able to be my best self for myself or to anyone else until I was okay with who I was because I was so aware of how I was coming um, there's a self-consciousness what my, what my right? voice sounded like if yeah. I sounded too gay with, and until I accepted myself this is this is who I am you know I was on a flight uh, coming back from I don't remember where it was and the flight attendant was so gay I loved it and he was so like he was like hey guys like he was like the head purser yeah. and over the intercom and he was like and he announced all the other flight attendants and he's like and I am fabulous fantabulous Jack like that's how he like <laughs> and yeah. nobody like nobody responded negatively and I thought how amazing yeah. that people can just be who they well, are it doesn't mean you, you have to be huge you, if you're a small quiet person that's who you are but I, that's what I encourage and that's what I love about my friends or people or actors is the ones that are able to just be who they are that's so interesting I think about the people that I love to watch on television or musicians I love to go see who are just fully giving of themselves and I don't feel like they're they're acting. I don't feel like they're yeah, performing. That's totally it. They let you in. Yeah. And those are the ones that draw you in and you can't get enough of. What again, whether it's a person in your life or if it's someone you watch um, on screen. And so I encourage that just like for your own humanity. But well, we seem um, to like a lot of the same actors. Just, yeah, we that do. would be really weird. Well, a you, lot of them are from my school. I was gonna say a lot of them are from your school. <laughs> and that's how I like find out about a lot of actors that I like. No, so. it's really cool. You're always like, wait, you taught them? You've literally taught everybody. I've taught a lot. Yeah. You know, David, it's so crazy. I was thinking yesterday we had a faculty meeting and 21 years I've had the school. And I remember when I started, I was like, I, you know, it was just me and six students. But wow. now 20 years later, like it takes time now a lot of those people that I started with are stars you know what yeah. I mean and it's just like and I'm not, I'm not saying that the stars are any better than people who haven't broken through I love all actors but it of is course. interesting how I'll watch a show and I'll be like oh yeah I taught that person and it's kind of cool you it know? Is, it's, like, great. it's great to be in the industry for a while and sort of see your friends and peers do well and you know and also then there's up. how do we like because I think this is an interesting aspect of acting too it's like I remember when I had a student who was testing for Gossip Girl, and how do you handle like the 
when the studio or the network gets fixated on someone and maybe you're not seeing it, but your job is to like facilitate, remember those conversations we had? Yeah, sorry, when they're, just remember, when they're stuck on someone well, in a like, positive way they want to push them through or they don't want to yeah, push let's them say, through? Yeah, let's say you have a number one choice. Oh, I see. And you're really fighting for this person yeah. who maybe hasn't broken through, doesn't have a lot of credits, whatever, but you just really see the talent, but then they are fixated on someone who has 10 million followers or something. That's a bad example, but you no, know what I'm saying? I, I know How mean. do you, like... That's but, also you're invested as well. I'm like, invested. I have my own fights yeah. sometimes, and you know, I I've learned very early on. Sometimes the best actor for the role does not book the role. It's an uh-huh. unfair system. It's an unfair process. Um, and as I said before, you know, it's casting by committee. It's not just one person's decision. It's not just mine. It's not just the producers. Um, so I do everything I can to kind of help facilitate not my own personal agenda, but what I what I think is right and what I've discussed with the producers. And I know you and I have worked on several occasions and also recently on helping people get to that point. And so for me, in regards to you, sometimes it's like, okay, Anthony, let's get this person in a private session. Yeah. These are the notes we need to work with yeah. them on. Yeah. I'll work with them separately. You'll work with them. It's, it, it, is, it becomes a, a larger process to kind of help get other non-creatives on board with sort of what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, it's not clear. You know, casting a pilot specifically takes 10 weeks to do. And you're Whoa. testing multiple people next, uh, you know, opposite each other. You're doing chemistry reads. It's not like you just find a person in the first session. You know, there were a couple of years ago, it came out that I used to bring in my first choice for a role first. Mm-hmm. Um, I've since stopped doing that because I think it kind of shot me in the foot where I, I had an idea of who this person should be. And I showed that to the producers. And then all of a sudden they think... Um, oh my God, this first person is so great. I can't wait to see who brings in next or next week or the following week or what have Uh you. And what I learned is it is a process. People need to come to that decision on their own and I can kind of guide it. And I have to be open to kind of discovering who these right people should be, so to speak. And sometimes it takes a little work, a little direction, a little kind of finessing. Yeah. And, um, I completely lost track of what the question was. No, we were just talking about like, mm, I mean, I'll do a follow-up to lead okay. us back to it. Like, what do you think it is that... Net, I mean, I know you can't get in the heads of network executives, but what do you think it is that they they see? Or, like, what do they get fixated on that is, like... You know what I mean? Like you just said, you bring in who you think is most right for it, and oftentimes this is my number one choice, mm-hmm. but then you're realizing, like, that kind of backfires because they're like, oh, yeah, she's sort of the great prototype of it, now let's see who else can do that. Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? They're... But, you know, they have a little bit more invested in the sense that they're putting their money into it. Uh-huh. And they want... I don't want to speak for every network. Yeah. You know, networks I work for have been phenomenal. But sometimes it's... it's They want safety. They want a name. Uh-huh. They want to make sure they're going to get eyeballs on the show. Uh-huh. Um, or tonally. They, you know, sometimes it's... it's uh, looks before talent uh-huh, uh-huh. and so my goal is I, I love discovering I love casting actors I know that I'm fans of but I also love discovering new people and giving people opportunities and as a fan of television and film I enjoy watching new faces and feeling like I'm discovering someone on TV yeah. so I'm, I'm supportive of finding new people and you know it's if it's an un uh, what's the word I'm thinking of sort of like an un um, tested uh, untested yeah. unproven talent yeah. it takes reading people several times yeah. to kind of get to that point. So it's it's setting up multiple reads or setting up an extra screen test or setting up an extra chemistry test to kind of like 
show this person's ability or, or, or possibility. Um, you know, it's not, it's not always obvious right away. You're yeah. asking network executives to basically marry someone on a first date. I've had the experience and time with actors on reading them for several projects, for pre-reading them for this specific project, bringing them back into producers two times for workshopping with them, and then I bring them into the network, and I'm expecting the network to literally marry them after seeing them read one scene. Right. So that's a lot for that me to a, ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I have to really trust my instinct to go to bat for someone and say, this person is right because I've been doing this for 20 years, and right. I've read everybody in town, and, and, and trust my my opinion, my instinct, if you don't see it immediately. Let's, let's ask, let's talk about, so the listeners know, I'm not sure that everybody knows, like, like explain to them, like, you talked about chemistry test and screen test. Okay. Maybe let's explain a little bit about that. Just, I think it's good because some people have never had a chemistry test or screen test. Oh, sure. So sometimes, like, during a pilot uh, process, they will, the, the network or studio will ask for a screen test, which the difference between like a regular audition and a screen test usually is it's on real cameras, on a real set with uh, makeup, hair, wardrobe, what have you. So they can actually like see you in the character um, and see what you look like on film and see you more in, in the vein of what this would actually feel like on television as opposed to on a video camera in my office with bad lighting. Um, and, it, and it's really helpful. It is really helpful. And we've, you know, we've changed our minds sometimes when you see someone in hair and makeup mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that's not what Supergirl looks like, like to us in our yes. head. Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why we're going to go to the other one. Yeah. Um, and then a chemistry read is usually for either best friends or for romantic interests where you pair your top choices for each role, um, whether on screen or on like a regular camera in my office, just to kind of see how they read the role together. Because nine times out of ten... We're reading each role separately. We're hoping that people have chemistry when you send them on to set or you edit the chemistry together. But it's nice to know that there's a there's an energy, there's a vibe, there's a pitter-patter of, of language between the two of them. And um, those chemistry reads can be really telling mm-hmm. and yeah, really helpful. Sure. But most often we don't really get that opportunity. As I, as I said, like pilot casting can be anywhere from five weeks to ten weeks. This past pilot season, I think we did both the pilots we did in five weeks. And it, you know, it's a well, fast process. A you have to make decisions yeah. very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And you know, ideally, you're able to complete the process by doing screen tests and chemistry reads and things like that. But a lot of times, you don't have the opportunity, and you're moving too quickly, and you're casting one role before you're casting the other, and um, it doesn't work out that way. But it's uh, well, I think these terms are really helpful too. But also, like a screen test or uh, testing, if if you're testing for a show, sometimes the testing can still be in your office. You know what te- I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes they're interchangeable. They are. Right. Most tests, I would say, like if you're going to test for a pilot, chances are they're going to be live tests, which means you come into my office or a producer's office and or the studio's the office, studio let's office. say, and you test with two or three other actors for the same role, yeah. not in front of each other, but you go in one by one. Yeah. You read your scene, you walk out, the next person comes in, reads their scene, walks out. Um, the studio collectively talks and decides who they want to move on to the next step of the process, yeah. which is the network test. And then you go and you do the exact same thing live at the network. Um, and it's a process I've learned to trust. I've seen really good actors kind of fall through the process because of right. the, the anxiety of it. Yeah. And I've seen some really novice actors rise to the occasion. Yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, it's tough. It's yeah. really, really tough. It is tough. Yeah, and and this is and again, I may have talked about this with you too, but it, it's it really starts with a numbers game. I mean, I will get 
on average, if you want me to talk about numbers yeah, at all. Sure. I will get on average about 2,500 to 3,000 submissions per roll on breakdowns. Per roll. Yep, and I go through that in about an hour because I will say I know the majority of actors already out there, right? but there are a bunch that I don't know, and yep. so I'll look at their headshots, their resumes, and what I do is I, I will narrow the 2,500 down to about 75 to 80, which I'll then go through with my partner, Lindsay. We'll look at resumes, headshots, demo reels, and we'll narrow down a first session with producers. We'll bring in about, we'll call in about, let's say, 10 to 15 actors we already know, and we'll pre-read about 25 actors we don't know. Okay, yes. Of those 25 pre-reads, we'll probably call back three people to wow. the producer session. Uh -huh. So we'll have anywhere from 15 to 18 people in a producer session. Uh -huh. wow. The producers then narrow down those 15 to 18 people to about three Five. people oh, three. Okay. that they want to share with the showrunner. Right. The showrunner will say, yes, let's test two of those people, one of those people. Then we negotiate test deals. Then we bring two people into the studio to test, two people into the network, and then you cast one. Whoa. I can say that again if it didn't make sense. No, it does. Okay. All from 3,000 yep. original submissions. And then yeah. sometimes the studio network will say, we don't like either of those choices. Go back to the drawing board. Right. And you go and, and you do the whole thing again. And we do this people. for every single role. And there's yes. usually about eight to ten roles, series regular roles in a pilot, not to mention guest stars. And we're working on several shows at a time. So it's, it's a major numbers game, but you have to... But this is why, David, also, when people get an audition, it should, I'm always, like, they should be celebrating. Because look at how competitive that is. If there's oh, yeah. 3,000 submissions, and, and your office calls and they want to see you, you all should be like, woohoo! This is a great opportunity for you to do some really badass yeah, work. Of course, you know I mean? of course. Yeah. And we want you to. And we, again, like I said before, I don't want to read 5,000 people no, all the time, too. So I would be, love to. Yeah. And this is not even counting the self-tapes. Well, I was going to say, too, like, I know there's a student at the school, I think I texted you about him because I knew he was going in for you, and I tried to let you know. And oh, somebody, he was yes, really he, great. He, well, this is what I want the listeners to know. Yeah. So, like, you didn't bring him in, but you had him self-tape, and his self-tape was, I coached him on it, and it was really great. It was really great. And then he sent it, and because you watched it and you liked it, yeah. then you brought him in for something else. Yep. And he didn't get that role. But he got close, just, and now he's on my radar. Yeah, and you brought him in for something else recently. Yeah. I know. Like, that's how it happens, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I get it. Actors get so, ah, it's so hard because I asked him like a couple weeks ago, how'd it go? And he's like, really great. You know, I'm really excited. But he doesn't understand also that you probably also had, you know, a hundred other submissions for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's but hard. again, like he's also now on my radar. And so although he did yeah. not book that role, yeah. he's someone that I will bring in again and yeah. will likely bring in straight for producers if it's the right thing. So, um... It's exciting in lost. this sense that it feels like it's um, a lot to navigate through for actors, but I don't think they should even, you can't, they can't even worry about that. They just have to do their work. You know what I mean? Just yeah, do no, work. no, no, don't think about that. Of but, course. you know, I, I think it's good so that, again, anything we can do to depersonalize the process and yeah. make them understand it's not about them. No. You know what I mean? I just want to talk about a couple other things that I think it's really, this is really helpful. Um, what... Like, what is number one on the call sheet mean? I mean, I think people probably all know that. But we have talked about that, about, you know, sometimes it's scary to take a risk on an actor who's never been number one on a call sheet before. Right. Which basically means... Well, it's to me, it's not just about being the star of the show. It's being a leader. The leader. Of a show. That's right. And so to... 
the, the leader of the show will sort of set the tone. They'll, they'll, people look to them to kind of, you know, if they're complaining, if they're upset, if they're happy-go-lucky, if it's an easy set, you know, they, they really set the tone because they're number one. Yeah. So again, we're, it, it's scary for a studio or network to put that pressure on someone that has never been under that pressure before and performed under pressure. Um, and that kind of that kind of power, if you want to call it, or pressure, mm-hmm. can really make or break a person. Mm-hmm. I've seen people, you know, rise yeah, to that are. challenge and be like, "We're a team. We're going to yes. make this work. Let's yes. be happy and don't be upset that you know we're on set for a long time." They right. become like a real cheerleader. And for some people, it goes straight to their ego, and uh-huh. they complain about things. They lock themselves in their trailers, uh-huh. and it just sets a really shitty tone for the rest of the cast and crew. Um, so you're always kind of taking a risk because it does change people. It does change people. So number one on the call sheet, just if y'all know, literally is number one. Means number one on the call sheet, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and is there still a thing called the list? I'm sure there is, right? What do you mean? Remember, I was thinking this last night when I was falling asleep. A question I wanted to ask you: When I first moved here, there was like a list of actors who, if you were on that list, you were already in the sort of zeitgeist of like the industry people that they were tracking up and comers or people who had heat. Yes. There isn't one list per se, Uh but there are, I would say every casting office, every studio, every network has their own list and there may be some people and the list changes every day. Yes. But there may be some people, um, you know, that are high on a CW list, but aren't on an ABC list or HBO or whatever. So that means like, you know, initially when I start a project, let's say, you know, for Sabrina, for example, they want to see a list of ideas. Uh-huh. Um, they want prototypes. They want a point of reference. So I'm going to put kind of like a list somewhat together. maybe somewhat yes. realistic people that either we may want to make offers to or people yeah. we want to read. It's yeah. not really helpful for them to see names that they wouldn't know, like a young girl that I just pre-read out of college. Right. Like right. That, at that point, they don't want to see those names. It doesn't mean we're not going to read them. Right. But um, they want for a point of reference, for a point of uh, for for purpose of discussion. Are we looking for a Kieran and Shipka type? Are we right. looking for a whatever Ross type? Lynch type. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Kieran specifically was one of those people that was on the list for that role. Right. But I can't say that she's you know that other producers are are familiar with her. I would yes. hope that they are because she's worked for so long. Yeah. She's fantastic. But um, you know the the list changes whether it be TV, film, what have you. But yeah, there are. Yeah. So basically, your office has lists for the type of show. Like sort of the, the the tone or like the kind of like a comedy is a different yeah. list than let's say a, you know a, a drama. A drama, yeah. yeah. But you create those lists. Yeah. Like when the when the project comes, you create it. It's yeah. not like this like cemented list that won't change yeah, and you okay. don't put people on or take them off. You yeah. know, um, but it's not something I would concern myself with as a novice actor. No, you, know? you can't right? because again, like we we have discovered so many actors and hired people that were never on those initial lists. Um, you know, Grant Gustin pre-read for The Flash. He was not on any list for uh-huh, The Flash. Uh-huh. He just pre-read, and then I brought him back in for producers, and then brought him in again and tested him. The whole cast of Riverdale was never on a was list. Yeah, they were all yeah, unknown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe except for Cole Sprouse. Yeah. Um, no one really knew who these people were. So same you know, with some people from Katie Keene, right? Like same, that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But like, for example, Kiernan Shipka was on the Betty list for Riverdale as like a prototype. Uh-huh. She was way too young at the time. Right. But um, 
But her type. But her type. Yeah. It was like the girl yeah. next door, a little yeah, yeah. like tightly wound. Yeah, yeah. And her type from Mad Men, yeah, not yeah, her as a person. Get a, like a Reese Witherspoon type. A Reese Witherspoon, a Witherspoon type, Witherspoon exactly. Type, yeah. And so we weren't we weren't casting Kiernan, we weren't casting uh, Reese, but it gave us all a sense of who this character Got should it. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I went to go cast it, I was like, oh, Lily Reinhardt fits that right. prototype somewhat. Yeah. And, you know, she was amazing. Yeah, it makes sense. That is literally like a type casting. And I don't mean that as a pejorative, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just literally figuring out, like, and again, this, you know, comes back to we have to just keep working from our own self because our own self, you know, my thing is, is like actors are going to get cast based on their type. You know what I For mean? For sure. Like, Kieran Shipka, I don't watch that show. I feel like I should be. Anthony. I, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to your podcast. No, it's not that, that show because show. I feel like I'm a little old for that to watch that show. That all right. That all right, show. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Where was I going with this? Oh, just like, you know, like each actor on each of these shows has a certain, that's kind of their essence. Are you hearing me, David? You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, we have to like really own who we are. I just cannot keep hammering that. I just, over and over again, who you are is enough, who you are is interesting. Yes. There's a place for you based on your essence that, that can also mean typecast, but not typecast in a, in a negative way. Um, let's, let's, so we're running out of time. This is really interesting. I think this is going to really help actors. I think the big, I mean, I wish we could do a call in because I'm sure people have a lot of questions, yeah. but how does somebody who does not have an agent or manager get seen by your office? That would probably probably be a number one. It's t I'll be honest. It's tough. it's tough. So unless you're doing something, whether it be like a web series or a play that we attend, we really we release all of our breakdowns to agents and managers. You know, for the episodic stuff, we are working so quickly. We don't have time to like hit the streets to find people. Yeah. But that said, like I have, um, it was so funny. One of the the young women in my office was telling me about this actor that I'd never heard of before. And I said, oh, I, I want to hear more about them. Where, what did they do? And the, the woman said, oh, well, they were in a Snapchat video. And I was like, what's a Snapchat video? Like, <laughs> I like, didn't even know what that was. I didn't know that there were actors on Snapchat. Like, I thought it was just people doing their thing. And so you have, you know, I, I, there are web series that I watch. There are Snapchat series or videos. Instagram that, or whatever. Instagram yeah, videos yeah. that people yeah. in my office watch. So, like, if you're putting yourself out there, yeah. you're putting your work out That's there. Totally it. Like, we're going to hopefully see it. Yeah. So it's, a, it's about you kind of creating your own opportunities in that sense. Um, and, and know that, you know, you just got to kind of keep, keep doing it, keep at it. And uh, we look, I mean, we really do look everywhere. Like, there's, of the eight people, people in my office, one or two of them are going to play every weekend. Uh -huh. Not just at the Amundsen or the Pantages. They're going stuff. to smaller yeah. stuff. They're going to the stuff in Santa Monica. They're going to stuff downtown. So it's about, you know, getting yourself out there. So, are the days gone where they would send like a headshot to your office or a postcard? Those days are not gone, but I don't. I don't look at those in a professional way. Yeah. I look at that as someone who doesn't know how the industry works. Yeah, and I think you know a pet peeve of mine, or something that actually breaks my heart, is when actors who have not booked with us send us gifts to try to get our attention oh that's weird I really yeah. it makes me uncomfortable it's, yeah. it's just not professional it's yeah. not how you do that think about you know if you were to send cupcakes to someone that you know you were never met yeah you never <laughs> met and like that would be like we'll eat the cupcakes but yeah. that's just weird yeah. you know that is weird and if you really want to get our attention focus on your career and don't spend the money on the headshots or, I, mean, I personally the like cards. weird gifts I sometimes will have somebody from like Russia send me a, like 
a strange package in the mail. <laughs> okay, well, let's like, not get into that. I'm wait, just... hold on. Like, here's an example. <laughs> oh. Okay, it's just me right now. I don't know where Anthony just went. I'm going to take over this like podcast. Oh. This That's a beautiful gift. That's very sweet. Right. But I've also so, had like, yeah. Yeah, you're going to take it. If someone gives you a cupcake, <laughs> you're not saying you're not going to eat gonna it. I'm going to take this pillow. You're going to yeah. eat the cupcake, yeah. but it's not going to say, you know what, because you took the time to send me a cupcake, I'm going to bring, bring you, you in for an audition. Yeah, no, no, no. That doesn't work. That's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. So it's not rude to send something. It's just not professional. Well, do people, nowadays everybody has emails. So do people email you? Like, do people... You uh, know, when I first started, I used to get emails, I used to get Facebook messages, and I would oh, spend God. all night responding. Oh, I mean, shit. literally yeah. being like, how do I become an actor? I still do that sometimes. You can't do that. I know. Because it's not your job I to know, do that. I know, I know. And, you know, it, it would take so much all time. All day. to I do know. it. And, it. and it sounds heartless, but again, you know, I have a job to do as, as you do, and it is, um, it is not my responsibility. That's and right. And my email is my professional email that's right. meant for professional resources, and if someone finds that, I've, you know, I, I can't and I'm not going to respond to those things. Not out of just being cruel, but like I have a job to do and yeah. I have a life to do and I have to find balance. Yeah. And if you come to me via a professional way, whether it's an agent or manager or teacher recommendation, what have you, I'm going to give you the time, you know, that's, that's deserved, what have you. And I, I want the same kind of respect, but um, I cannot make a career out of unsolicited contact. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm giving them advice. I get that. Yeah. But so, David, wait, I'm still trying to, like, crack this nut, though. So, like, would they, if, let's say, somebody was in a showcase or in a really good show at a small theater in town, could they, you know, send something to one of your associates? 100%. Yes. 100%. I think if you're, like, sending, like, an invite, it's different than just sending, like, a headshot and cookies Which is always, like, anything. When you have something to promote, they should promote it. A hundred. And you might be a big fan of, of... Titanic the musical and come and see it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So I, I think you and guys I will say casting David. assistants and casting associates are more likely to go to yes. smaller theater yes. than a casting director. So I would target That's right. the, the associates. associates. Yes. So yeah. get to know these people. So listeners, it's not about you not letting them know about who you are, but let them know who you are in relation to something that you're working on. You know, this is why I'm always saying keep doing stuff, keep creating stuff, and you'll yeah, see it. Absolutely, and just for your own sanity, and, and if it's good, it'll, it'll rise to the top, and people will see it. Yes, I had another thought about that, but I always love talking to you, David, because it's interesting. We've done panels before, I appreciate David. That. I know. I want. To I know we have to go back up to Vancouver. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Is there any? I mean, yeah. It's just the whole thing is really fascinating, and also I think the thing that you're leaving us with too is like. You just never know. There's always as, as many actors as there are. Somebody can like come out of nowhere and become a series regular. You know what I mean? It totally. happens all the time. Still. Well, I I've said this story in public before, but I think it's helpful to hear again. Like on Riverdale, KJ Apa came in and pre- KJ Apa plays Archie. He came in and pre-read with me, and I just like did not get it at all. Uh-huh. Um, and his agents called and they're like, "Please, Please see, him see, again, him again. see him again." And I was like. Yeah, I really don't want to. Like, yeah. I, I'll call me in like two months, and I was still looking in two months, and I was like, uh, fine, like really reluctantly, and I sat down with him, and he blew me away, and I was like, what happened? And he goes, well, when I first, you were the first audition I had in LA after getting off a plane from New Zealand, my accent was all over the place, uh, I was unfocused, I didn't know the material, totally it was in my head, head. yeah, and. I flipped out because I'm like, oh my God, I almost missed this uh-huh. guy who was yeah. so clearly a star. Yeah. But then I thought, well, wait a second. Was that a fluke? Did he just give a, a good audition? Yeah. Because he previously gave a bad audition. 
So I brought him in for the producers, brought him in for the producers again, tested him twice, made sure, and the next five times he was perfect. Wow, yeah. And he, to me, is such a star that is, you know, was born to play that role, is a great number one on that show, and um, he just had a bad day. So yeah. um, you may not... You may not hit it every time. That's right. Well, you won't hit it every time, You won't. You You won't. And you have to make mistakes. You have to learn. You have to also know, I probably shouldn't go in for an audition right after getting off a plane if I'm not in the right headspace. Yes. And that's scary to turn down an an opportunity. But again, it, you know, it just... Well, we've talked about that. We've talked about one of my favorite actors. I, I won't say who it is, but... You brought her in for something, and she was having a crazy pilot. I know season. exactly who this is. And you brought up on another podcast. I did because I love her so much, and she's killing it. She's right? killing but it. But she I'm just was not prepared no. for that. But she felt like, and her lesson was, it's okay for her to say no. It would have been better for her to say no. I just can't do it. Absolutely. But actors get so scared about, like, I mean, we should have a part two podcast about pilot season because it's just in many ways oh, rigged fine. against the actor. You know, I was talking yeah. to Lorenza about that, about her pilot season. She tested for five shows, could not, she, she couldn't, didn't know whether she was coming or going. That's too much. She didn't get any of them. That's too much. Now she just found out she ended up getting, um, they're doing season two of, um, uh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, great. So, you know what I mean? But she felt all was lost. It's like, it's the pressure for the actor can be like too much and they're scared to be like you know what this isn't really you cannot perform five pilot auditions in one day you can't do it well you're not going to remember the material and when actors come in for me during pilot season and say with all these excuses I'm so sorry I just got the material I had four other auditions like I feel for them but I also don't care because I care about the show at hand that's right and it makes them feel unprepared needy like they're not able to handle what's on their plate and yes, it's scary. If you haven't had an audition in months to turn down one thing, I completely understand it. But you cannot perform at the level of a series regular. Right. If you're doing three, four, or five auditions a day, you have to be able to say, these are the ones I want to focus on. If these other ones are still casting next week, I'll go in on That's it. right. That's because the you're shooting yourself in the foot. But there's power in the no, David, which is like, if you were calling me and I wasn't ready and I say no, maybe in three weeks from now, you still haven't found the person and then I'm like in a better place. Yep. So I think actors sometimes lose sort of their own connection to like their inner truth and they're like, oh, I just have to say yes to everything. I just want to say one last thing too, because you know, I'm always saying this cause I'll have actors sometimes they'll find out you're casting a certain role and they'll be like, can you ask David, you know, can you get me in? And you know, I try to do everything I can and, and for actors who I think are working at that level. But sometimes I think it's, and I'm always telling people like your shows Although you have a spectrum of many different kinds, but let's just say the CW shows, there's a, there's a tone and there's a look. And yes. I'm always like, sometimes actors will hit me up who want to be on your show. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think that they fit on that show. They love those shows. Sure. And they're kind of epic in their mind to want to be on them. But I was like, you're more like Sons of Anarchy, Hells on Wheels. Right, like, right, right. So I'm always advocating that actors should watch shows and see like, oh, is my type kind of represented? Is my, you know, who I am, am I, do I fit in that sort of world? Absolutely. And that there are other great shows, even if they're not right for your shows. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I just, that's just my advice to, to actors is like, I get it. Everybody wants to be in a Marvel or a DC universe nowadays, but like maybe they're more suited for Big Little Lies or, you know what I mean? I love Big Little Lies. Yeah, I mean, or whatever, <laughs> Killing Eve, you know? Um, well, David, that was such an inspiring podcast. So where can they not hit you up? I mean, <laughs> where can they keep track of you? Well, you have a very active Twitter and Instagram, Instagram profile. Like yeah. 
Mention your name so they know. David Rappaport. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I don't know. Let me look it up. So I'll say it for him, kids. It's either David Rappaport. Is this like an imposter one? No. Or M-R, like Mr. M-R-R-A-P-A-P-O-R-T. Yeah. I don't know the difference, but... He often posts really photos not, of himself in very glamorous... I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not um, tech savvy. Um, we love David. He is an advocate for actors. I hope you 100%. all... 100%. I hope you all get to like come into his office one day or meet him. I'll bring him into the studio again. And thanks for listening, kids. Thank you so much. Thanks, David. <laughs>